Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA. The Lupus Foundation is devoted to solving the mystery of lupus, one of the world's cruelest, most unpredictable, and devastating diseases while giving caring support to those who suffer from its brutal impact. According to the Lupus Foundation of America and on their website at lupus.org, lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that can damage any part of the body, your skins, joints, and organs. Chronic means that the signs and symptoms tend to last longer than six weeks and often for many years. In lupus, something goes wrong with the immune system, which is the part of the body that fights off viruses, bacteria, and germs. Normally, our immune systems produce proteins called antibodies, which protect them from these invaders. Autoimmunity means that your immune system cannot tell the difference between these foreign invaders and your body's healthy tissue. As a result, it creates autoantibodies that attack and destroy healthy tissues. And these antibodies cause inflammation, pain, and damage to various parts of the body. Additional facts about lupus that you should know. Lupus is not contagious, not even through sexual contact. You cannot catch lupus from someone or give lupus to someone. Lupus is not like or related to cancer. Cancer is a condition of malignant abnormal tissue that grow rapidly and spread into surrounding tissues. Lupus is an autoimmune disease. However, some treatments for lupus may include immunosuppressant drugs that are used in chemotherapy. And lupus is not like or related to HIV or AIDS. In HIV and AIDS, the immune system is underactive. In lupus, the immune system is overactive. And lupus can range from mild to life-threatening and should always be treated by a doctor. With good medical care, most people with lupus can lead a full life. You could go to the Lupus Foundation of America at lupus.org. I'm Laferne Cusack, and this is ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to ESPN. I'm Laferne Cusack, speaking with Wendy Rogers, advocate for lupus. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me, Laferne. Now, you have a real interesting and inspiring story. Tell us about your journey with lupus. Well, this is actually my 18th year surviving with lupus. I was diagnosed in 2000. Um, I was a perfectly healthy person, very athletic, um, and ended up having joint pain um, occurring every day until one morning I woke up and I couldn't move. Went to my doctor uh, and realized that I had uh, blood pressure in stroke range, 225 over 125. I started feeling really tired, and um, that episode of not being able to move really shocked me because I noticed 
you know, I never had anything like that. And it began the journey trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I was initially misdiagnosed as just a hypertension patient, not knowing the underlying causes was actually uh, lupus. I'd never heard of it or anything. And when we saw the medications weren't working to control the blood pressure, I got really frustrated um, and started looking up things and symptoms. And I ran across a very simple article that talked about lupus and I asked to be tested. And that ended up being a blessing in disguise because it really shortened my diagnosis time. I was sent to a rheumatologist who actually found out that I had lupus um, by testing me from that request. And um, I was actually happy with the diagnosis, not knowing how severe it could be. So because I didn't have um, the education and the awareness that I needed, I wasn't doing the proper things to manage the disease or take care of myself. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be um, heavily exposed, couldn't be exposed in the sun like a normal person. Right. I didn't realize stress was a huge factor. And I ended up having a life-threatening flare. Um, I ended up in the hospital for like six months fighting for my life. Um, I had seizures. I lost the ability to walk. Um, I had kidney failure and the list just goes on. And it was just so shocking to see something that I thought was so, um, you know, manageable could be so devastating. And it was simply because I didn't have the knowledge that I needed to take care of myself. But you sought out the knowledge, which, you know, we talk about how you are an advocate for yourself. The doctors are out there, but you have to be that person that asks the questions. But did you find that it was hard to ask questions because you didn't know what the questions were? Yes, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up. That is that that is a big challenge for everyone because lupus is actually called the cruel mystery because it manifests itself differently in every person. So even though there's a common pool of symptoms, from person to person, you may see it look differently. So when you're looking at things and questions to ask, um, it's oftentimes hard to know that it is lupus, but there are certain things you can look for, like fevers, rashes, the mylar rash or the butterfly rash on the on the um, face, fatigue, and it's not the type of fatigue where you recover, but you do have to be a person that does become more proactive and ask the questions. It was very hard. In fact, when I went to the rheumatologist the first time because I'd asked to be tested, I wasn't even well received because I, it was assumed I was watching TV and I was, look, you know how they mentioned, yeah. oh, ask your doctor if this drug is right for you. Right. It, I wasn't well received. And so I finally ended up telling the doctor, you know, I know that I'm not healthy. I know that something's wrong with me. I'm here for help. And I know that you're able to help me. Mm. And so sometimes you have to get through more than just the uh, symptoms. Sometimes you have to get through people who might not, even understand what's wrong with you, like your family as well. You know, people see the change or you don't feel up to doing things. You don't look bad. It's called the look good, feel bad disease as well. And so, yes, you do have to ask a lot of questions. Um, And it is very challenging often in the beginning for many people to figure out what's wrong with them. Yes. Yeah. So once the diagnosis happened, what what was the next step? So for me, 
when I was diagnosed, there was not necessarily a next next step until my um, rheumatologist finished looking at the lab. So they're going to analyze your lab work and then they'll come up with the specific plan because lupus can attack any organ system. It can, um, you know, range from mild to severe. So it's really customized care for, for each patient. Mm-hmm. And so once, once those are read and analyzed, your doctor and your medical team can design a treatment plan for you because it really depends on what lupus is um, attacking or, right. you know, influencing in the body so for me mm -hmm. yeah no go ahead ahead. sorry for me it attacks my kidneys right away and my central nervous system so the next step for me was seeing a nephrologist which was a kidney doctor and um, I went from there to that point for them to look and see you know how serious was it and I actually had to do a kidney biopsy Mm -hmm. so that they could come up with a treatment plan it's different right for everyone Mm -hmm. so Every person has a different protocol. Yeah, pretty much. It's not, I mean, like I said, it is common. There's a common pool of things. There's about 12 to 14 symptoms that are very common in patients that have lupus. And medication is actually very limited. We only have one medicine for lupus, and that is actually one that leans more towards the um, arthritic side. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it does it does um, work within a little realm, but what you're using or you're attacking. So, for example, if you are a person where you have the scarring, there's different forms of lupus, like discoid lupus only is isolated to the skin. However, if you have systemic lupus, which is SLE, any organ system is game, including the skin. So... If your liver is affected or if your heart is affected, you're going to see the um, doctor that specializes in that along with the rheumatologist. I I know people may ask, well, what causes lupus? I mean, we still don't know this. It's a combination of factors, right? Yes, it it really is. Um, We do know that our environment plays a huge part in addition to having a predisposition genetically to lupus. And um, basically, it's just like all these factors come together. The demographics of lupus, we see it occurring in 90% women. Men do get it and Mm -hmm. do suffer quite a bit with lupus. But um, in the mid-20s, from my experience of observing people who are diagnosed, that's kind of like what I now call the sweet spot because you have so many things going on, like hormonally, genetically, um, environmentally. You have a lot of stress going on, you know, putting your life together. And so you'll often see a lot of these symptoms occurring in this time frame. But, no, there's not a definite um, cause for it. It is suggested that we have a genetic predisposition for it and then based on our environmental exposures to like ultraviolet light is the main one, um, silicates, um, and stress, those are just a combination of factors that trigger it. So, Wendy, how do you manage your stress? Because, you know, in this society, (laughs) it's like I try to, well, I'm not doing a good job managing stress, but how do you Uh, manage your stress? You know, it's been a hard journey on that because most people with lupus are type A personalities, very driven people. And I am one of those. And I had to really come to terms with myself and and prioritize what was important each day. 
And um, I had to learn to say no more often than I did and um, pick what was important for um, my energy level. Mm-hmm. So um, what I started doing is I would I would schedule like for example if I knew I had a lot of a big thing to do I would try to reduce the number of big things in a row. So I would try to rest before and then have a time to plan to rest. So just like we do our schedules, I'm a Google Calendar person. I'll put my schedule. You need to schedule your time for rest and just downtime, even if you're not sleeping or anything. You need to give your time yourself moments of recovery. So that's what I one of the things that I did. And it's been hard because sometimes you don't know how you're going to feel and you might not be able to go to everything. And um, I was just sharing in the support group that I that I do um, on Thursday that you have to also come up with alternatives when you can't do things so that make you happy. So, for example, do you crochet? Do you like to write? Do you like to read? Do you want to just veg out on Netflix? You have to incorporate that in your schedule just like it's work. And that's one of the things I did for me to help me manage the stress. And it it was pretty eye-opening for me because I I could tell I felt better um, and I was still doing something that I love to do. And so, you know, but you have to be forgiving of yourself, too, because a lot of us feel guilty when we can't work as much or do as much or be there for our loved ones and family. And so you have to be able to take that downtime and not beat yourself up about it because you want to be able to recover to go back. Now, speaking of family, you were married at the time, correct? When you were diagnosed with lupus? Yes. And you had a child, is that correct? Yes. So I had my daughter before I got married, and I had a a perfect um, pregnancy and and a healthy um, baby and and a good Um, even natural childbirth, I was very blessed with that. And I think it was because I was younger and in tip-top shape before all of this happened. But, yes, I moved here and I got married and was starting my whole um, life um, in a whole other state. And this had an effect on your marriage. It was. It did. It did. And, you know, this is something that is not often, in my opinion, spoken about on the social side of lupus. Um, it's very scary for loved ones and friends to see, uh, especially when you're critically sick, like I, I was. And it was the, the type of experience where my, my um, partner, my spouse, didn't want to be in that relationship because he just felt like it was too much for him to handle. And, and I had to, you know, mm-hmm. move on. And, and it was very heartbreaking because, you know, you still kind of like damaged goods in a sense. And I see this so many times in family situations um, where you lose your relationship. Sometimes you even lose your friends or your family doesn't understand what's wrong with you. Because one minute you can be perfectly fine and doing things, the next day you can't get out of bed, and um, it puts a huge strain on re- on your relationships. And often people don't believe you are sick; um, they feel like you're kind of whiny or whatever. Even emotional problems, people see that because it it can affect your ner- nervous system and mental ability. Um, 
their ability to remember things. And so it is, it is hard in relationships. Um, and I did have that experience where it was just too much for the person to handle. And I just had to acknowledge that we both did. And, and, and that's what happened. And then going from that to having to work, how, how did you manage that? Cause you know, you have, you have to have them, you know, lifestyle. Yeah. So how did yeah. you manage that? Well, I was, I'll be honest. I was very fortunate that, um, you know, when we sign up at 20 years old to work, who looks at their disability package or right. their insurance? Yeah. No one. And I was one of those. And I was very, very blessed to have um, long-term disability, which I had never thought about. You, you don't think you'll ever need that. In fact, all of my friends went and made sure they had it after they saw what happened to me. But I had long-term disability that helped me um, be able to have the income to move on. If not, you have to actually just use Social Security disability, which is not much, especially here in this state. I had a lot of family support, which was one of the key ways that I was able to go back to work. I'm a teacher, and um, my credentials had expired, and I decided I needed to go back to school. In fact, I just finished um, my second master's in public health because I want to, yeah. Congrats. I would like to change my career in the future. Um, to get out of the classroom. I've been teaching for about 20 years now, I guess. And so I have, you have to reinvent yourself. Not all the time can you yeah. go back to what you're doing. I literally walked away from a classroom and gave all of my stuff to the, the teacher who had to come in because I was too sick to teach. But it took 12 years for me to recover, to even go back to work. And not everybody with lupus can do that. I'm very... In a way, I don't want to say that it can't be done, but it's very challenging to do that because the disease is so unpredictable. You don't, um, you just don't know what you'll be able to sustain. And so you have to look for a career path and a job that you can do that will allow you to take care of yourself and not um, put you under a huge amount of stress and not be able to have a pattern where you could follow up with your doctors or manager um, health care. Right. So um, for me, education has lended that to me. In fact, I've even, and I've been very blessed to have a staff and um, coworkers that actually embrace me being a lupus survivor and they wanted to learn. I actually teach it in my classroom to my students. We do an awareness day. And so my work environment has been conducive for me. However, the exposure to, you know, germs and the kids, I really have to work on, on that. That's the part that's challenging. So work can be very difficult depending on what you do because you have to be careful because, you know, our our immune systems with lupus, I didn't say, is um, lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease and it, it is overactive and it can't recognize what's healthy and what's not. And it will attack um, the healthy tissue because it's kind of confused. And so it's trying to keep us safe, but in in that work, it 
it damages things and it could get pretty serious if it damages organs and things of that sort based on what we're exposed to. So, yeah. And uh, the diet, I know a friend who has lupus, she has to really Mm -hmm. pay attention to the diet. Can you talk about that? Yes. Well, there's actually not a specific diet for lupus. However, for example, certain organ systems, when I had kidney failure, I had to be on a renal diet while I was, um, you know, going through that bout with um, dialysis. I had to be, I couldn't eat, even foods that were healthy, I couldn't eat. So the only few things that are suggested with lupus. I know alfalfa is one that they ask us to kind of watch because it can trigger um, inflammation. But eating a balanced diet is very key because some foods are shown, especially a lot of the processed foods, that they could um, contribute to more inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. So trying to eat clean and healthy and well-rounded is definitely encouraged. And also getting exercise. I had to learn um, to change what I did because it hurt a lot of times to even exercise according to even trying to eat well um, because the joints are sore. So you'd have to, you have to constantly adjust. So making sure you have balanced meals, consult with a nutritionist because, like I said, depending on what's happening, certain organs in the body, you might not be able to eat certain foods even though they're considered healthy right? because that system could be compromised. And then a lot of times people have other illnesses like celiac disease or irritable bowel syndrome or, you know, things like that where you really have to come up with a customized diet plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since you were diagnosed in 2000, what have you seen the advances or advancements in, you know, lupus research and how it's treated? Oh, my gosh. Um, I've been I've been so happy to see the progress. It's been slow, but we're we're making some great strides. So for me, just one thing is the educational materials that are coming out. We have great infographics. We have pamphlets. We have an online resource center now. So you can actually go online and go to resources.lupus.org and and search all these things. And it, it meets a person if they think they have lupus, if they have lupus, if they're caregivers. And you can actually read and access this education, which was something that was not given to me. It wasn't at my fingertips. Research-wise, we have so many um, great researchers and scientists. I just came back from the 21st Century um, Scientific Lupus Conference, and I was just so happy to see so many um, doctors and researchers who were interested in um, trying to make a difference for this disease. Mm -hmm. We're now doing stem cell research. Lupus is under there. There's um, something called the Human Genome Project, which is huge, which includes like cancer and some other diseases. Lupus has actually been categorized there. And we've gotten funding in several areas that have allowed us to carry on research. Um, One of the things that shocked me is, as a person with lupus, I've kind of felt bad is I would think, we need a cure, we need a cure, we need them to do this. But on the other side, one of the things I didn't realize, so many times there's great scientific work or research going on, 
but they can't finish because there's not enough money to keep funding it. Wow. Because lupus actually is not the disease, one of the diseases that gets a ton of, of um, financial backing. And so this is why we do the fundraising walk and all of the different things to try to raise the awareness and the funding to keep this work going. Um, I actually talked to a scientist a couple of years ago, and he literally said he could not continue because he ran out of funding. And I just, I just couldn't even imagine that could be, you know, our right. new breakthrough on the horizon. And, and so, yes, it's, it's one of those things we really, really need to support and keep these projects funded because um, I was so excited to see us in the stem cell research and things like that showing promise um, to developments of things. We had a couple of other drugs that are going through, um, you know, clinical trials. And that's another thing I want to mention is I, I really want to encourage people who have lupus to see and to participate in clinical trials because we really need people, especially um, minorities, to participate in these so drugs can be designed specifically, you know, to treat their bodies because there is a difference. Have you been in a clinical trial? Yes, I have. I've participated in a couple of them. And, you know, trials really vary. They're not all um, invasive. Like it might be something as simple as donating your blood or um, even doing a survey or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And so being involved like that can make a huge difference. That's a big um, area that we're the lupus community is trying to work on since the demographics show that most minorities um, kind of lead the pack with who's affected. So we really, um, you know, kind of want to come to the table a little bit more so that we can be considered when these drugs are being designed. Now, Wendy, you talked about all the things that uh, the events that are happening to spread awareness. Now, you just came back from New York uh, from a conference. Tell us about that. Well, that was an annual, um, it's an annual, no, two years biannual um, event, and all of the scientific community comes together to talk about their research and, you know, feed off of each other, collaborate, network. And this year they actually had patients come. So I was actually one of the patients to be invited. And I actually um, presented a poster this year on a project I did in my public health um, program on lupus. But it was so, it was just so encouraging to see so many great minds working on it because a lot of times, you know, we're at home or we're in our lives living and we don't realize what's going on behind the scenes and the challenge that the scientists had. It gave me um, such inspiration to see people. There were scientists that have stuck with studying things for 20 years. You know, I'm thinking, okay, I would need something new to do. But (laughs) to see the commitment of some of these scientists and the people who are are deemed lupologists or lupus experts in their area um, is just really thrilling. One of the areas I was really excited to see developing was the work on lupus and pregnancy. Mm. Um, As you know, because lupus affects people in childbearing years, Having children is something that is often questionable because they don't know if they'll be able to carry a child or have, you know, a healthy baby or, you know, be okay because lupus will often flare up um, after you have a child or you may miscarry. And so that's a big thing when it comes to family planning and a lot of women. And so to see that there's a lot of work 
now going around um, taking care of people who want to have children, um, working more with your um, obstetrician as well. There was a program, I believe it's Duke University and Stanford, they're looking at and trying to make sure women who want to become pregnant can, um, you know, really think that out and go through the process where they're taking care of. That's, that's a big area. I was really excited to see that type of work as well. Another big area that um, science is um, working on is lupus nephritis, which is, uh, you know, an area that can be really life-changing because if you have kidney failure, you often go on dialysis, you need a kidney transplant. Yes. And so your whole life structure can change with that. And it's pretty severe. For whatever reason, um, when organ involvement is happens, the kidney is one of the key um, organs that's attacked compared to other organs. Um, behind that's probably the heart. So to see that type of uh, study, those types of studies developing and that scientific work going on is really, really exciting, trying to see how to reduce those uh, disparities in that incident. Yes. And one last area I want to mention, too, that has been big is pediatric lupus, bringing that more to the forefront and taking care of our kids oh, wow. that are suffering with lupus. Yeah, so we're trying to really get that, um, you know, more in the in the in the spotlight because um, surprisingly children when they're diagnosed really young their lupus is pretty severe especially with the kidney um, lupus nephritis Um, you'll see pretty severe cases of that so trying to help um, our pediatric lupus patients is something that the scientific community is aiming to do as well and some of the risks and warning signs for lupus in the kidneys uh, can you talk about that Well, some of the signs are um, if you have, like, foamy urine, um, it kind of looks like beer a little bit. You know, you have the foam. Yes. There's not really, like, a bad feeling you'll have. Um, You you can have a metallic taste in your mouth, kind of um, a metallic taste. Mm -hmm. You'll start to see swelling in your extremities, like your feet and your legs. Um, That's the um, edema. And you can mash on it. You can kind of see a dent. That's kind of a sign that you're when you're swelling. Those are key things you can look for when you have kidney involvement. Um, not producing a lot of urine um, can also be something you can think about, too. But those are some of the factors. Kidney disease is pretty tricky because you don't you're not necessarily in pain when you have your kidneys not working. Mm. But those are some things you could look for. And then. Also, Wendy, you participated in I Walked to End Lupus, which was uh, downtown. I looked out the ESPN window and you guys filled up the <laughs> courtyard. Yes, we did. Oh, I didn't know you were looking at us. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited to be at LA Live. Um, this is our this is our third year, I believe. And it is turning into a fabulous event. This year was even better than last year. Um, it's like a party, as <laughs> you can yeah. see. And it's so wonderful to be there. It's in the heart of L.A. What better place to be right between um, the Staples Center and the L.A. Live area, Microsoft. And, you know, just, just a great place to be. So we gather there. We have a great DJ that we love. I love this DJ. Her name is uh, DJ Corey. And actually, she lost her mom lost her battle to lupus, and so she comes out and 
We have our Laker girls. We have, um, this year we had Sharon Tay. We had Young and the Restless star, Kate Linder. So we have our L.A. community coming um, to join us in this walk. Yes. Well, that's really great. So before uh, I let you go, Wendy, can you tell our listeners, if they have lupus, what maybe some tips behind how you're a survivor and how they can continue and also for families. Okay. Well, if you have lupus, the first thing I want to let you know is that you are not the only one and you're not alone. Um, do your best to connect to someone or um, contact the Lupus Foundation of America. You can go to lupus.org. We actually have a health educator, and um, you can reach out to her. You can even send an email uh, about, you know, needing resources. And then just don't give up. I mean, it's 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 a tough disease, Lafern, but... You can do it. I'm sitting here 18 years later. I never would imagine. When I first got diagnosed, I didn't think I would even be be here the next year. I felt so bad, so bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have to be more proactive. You have to be willing to ask the questions. And, you know, sometimes that means you have to search for different doctors that might not fit your personality or you might not feel comfortable working with. So you have to be willing to do a little bit of work Mm -hmm. um, and fight for yourself, you know, and not be afraid to let people know like, Hey, I'm trying to survive. I need good people on my team. It's about team building, just like you would in a game. You want to put together a good team to, to make it through this illness. So um, I believe every person needs at least one Um, person that they can trust and depend on, take them with them to your doctor. Um, You know, just have someone, try to find at least one person to support. I do run a support group in Carson. It meets every first Thursday of the month, so people are welcome to come. We're a great group, and we keep it real, and we're very encouraging, and we're like a little family. So um, you can go to lupus.org to see where there may be another one in your area. And so just trying to be connected so that you have positivity flowing in and you, you're around other people that are, you know, encouraging mm-hmm. as they're, you know, on their journey so that you don't feel like you're just kind of out there by yourself. Absolutely. And how are you feeling now, Wendy? I'm feeling pretty good. I've been doing very well. My lupus has been stable. And so I just have been very fortunate that I've had, you know, the ability to give back and to help and to work and uh, make new help, you know, just any way I can. So I I just feel very honored. Um, It's still a struggle, you know, but I I feel have more better days than I have, you know, bad. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I I truly appreciate it and sharing uh, what you do. Uh, And if we want more information, we can go to the Lupus Foundation of America, which is lupus.org. Yes. And then they they have a lot of information on there. Yes, it's a lot. It's it's a ton. I mean, I really love the resource center too. So you could check that out. Any question you have, you can find resources there. And if not, email the health educator or send an email um, to one of the contacts on the site for help. Thank you. Miss Wendy Rogers, Lupus Advocate, thank you so much for joining me here on ESPN. 
Thank you so much. Have a great day. ESPN LA 710. There are more than 16,000 new cases of lupus reported annually across the country. Lupus Foundation of America's research estimates that at least 1.5 million Americans have lupus. The actual number may be higher. However, there have been no large-scale studies to show the actual number of people in the U.S. living with lupus. Women of color are two to three times more likely to develop lupus than Caucasians. And people of all races and ethnic groups can develop lupus. Some of the common symptoms of lupus, extreme fatigue, tiredness, Headaches, painful or swollen joints, fever, anemia, swelling in the feet, legs, hands, and or around the eyes, pain in chest, on deep breathing, butterfly-shaped rash across cheeks and nose, sun or light sensitivity, hair loss, abnormal blood clotting, fingers turning white and blue when cold, and mouth or nose ulcers. You can play an important role in helping your doctor manage your disease. For more information, you could go to the Lupus Foundation of America at lupus.org. I'm LaFern Cusack, and this is ESPN LA 710.